This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Father, I thank you that you are enough. That actually you're more than enough. Your provision in our lives, your healing in our lives, your deliverance in our lives is all that we need and more. As we prepare our hearts right now to receive your word, I'm asking you that our minds would be off our circumstances, off of our our troubles and our worries and our anxieties, and they'll be on you today. That we would say, you are more than enough. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, can you just put your hands together and bless the Lord right now? As you're seated, come on, you can do better than that. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's more than enough. And you can be seated. Well, thank you for being here today. It's an awesome privilege to see all of you out today. I want to just say real quick how how thankful I am for our worship team. How every week they prepare and they lead us into the presence of God. Do you sense the presence of God in this place this morning? The Bible says that where two or three are gathered, He's in the midst. And I, I feel Him here today. And I'm so glad that you're here Worshiping with us. I'm a little emotional this morning. My youngest son, Tyler, we uh, drove to Birmingham yesterday and uh, got he, he and his, my oldest son, Garrett, settled into their apartment. They're both in ministry school, so I'm very proud of them that God's done a, such a work in them. And I, I told them, I sent them a text this morning saying, Hey guys, I know there were times I blew it as a dad, and, and by the grace of God, you turned out the way you did. So I'm very grateful for that. But Lori and I are pretty emotional this morning because we're empty nesters now, so uh, that's going to be a, an adjustment for us, but it's going to be good because I get to um, just date my wife over and over again, so that's going to be awesome. So That's right, that's right, smart move. So thank you for being here today. If you're here for the first time or, or I've seen some of you a couple times, man, we're just so excited you're here today and, and we're glad that you're, you just, obviously you saw something you like because you're here again and so we're just so thankful for that. Well, we're in a series that we started last week called Together, and we had a great time worshiping the Lord together, had an awesome time in our cookout, and had fun last week just coming together to Back to Church Sunday, and so I'm just looking forward today to continue the series that we're in called Together. You guys um, see what I'm holding up here? Can y'all tell what that is? Those are Legos. Anybody ever stepped on one in the middle of the night? If you've stepped on in the middle of the night, you know what a Lego is. Because that is pretty painful. Well, I want to talk to you today about us being together as the body of Christ. And we understand that the church is, is more than just coming and singing some songs and hearing a message. It's really about, really is about being together. And I know that maybe if you've played with Legos before, you know they come in pieces. So this little thing I got here, there's several pieces just to this one little thing here if I can get it. So you see how each of these are, are by themselves, not much to them, right? Really not that great. But as you begin to assemble it together, you begin to see something emerge. And because they're together doing this, you can come up with something pretty amazing. Now this is a little small thing, but I mean, you can build houses. Anybody build a house or a, or a plane? You ever seen anything like that? A logo, something that's built out of Legos. I mean, it's pretty amazing what you can do with Legos. But it takes each one together 
to make sure that the, the, the actual end product is something amazing. But by themselves, it's really not much, not too much to look at, and not even that important. But together makes for something great. It's kind of like the body of Christ. Maybe you feel like that on your own, that you're, there's not, you don't have much to offer, or there's not much greatness about you, but I'm here to tell you, you have something to contribute to be a part of the body of Christ. You have a gift or a talent, something that God wants you to be a part of as you grow in Him. And so we're going to talk about that today, and, and we're going to look into Scriptures because Ephesians 2 gives us a, a clear picture of what the church really is supposed to look like. If you'll go with me to, to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 19. It says, so now you as Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. So in other words, you know, you're not outside, you're actually in, you're together in the body of Christ. Isn't that good news this morning? Every person who's in Christ, you're not a stranger anymore. You're not an enemy anymore. Now you're in the family of God. You like how many like family? I like family. No, you don't always get along as family. I mean, you, you know, I have some, I've had some pretty um, interesting moments with my brother at times. He and I used to fight like cats and dogs. But you know, don't let somebody mess with me, right? Or or him, and we're gonna go go to their defense. Anybody feel that way about your family? And so it says we're no, we're not strangers or foreigners anymore. You are citizens along with all God's holy people, you are members of God's family. That's good news, isn't it? And so here it says, together we are His house. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. What a cornerstone to have, amen? The one who created the world, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who the Bible says is in Him is all wisdom and knowledge. He's the cornerstone of it all. There's no shaking. As the, as the old song used to say, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So that's the anchor on which you build your life today. That's the anchor or the foundation on which the church is built is Jesus Christ. Amen. And then it says we are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. In other words, this, this, this brick and mortar that we're in today, that's not the church. It's just the place where we meet. Who's the church? Or what's the church? Put, just point to, to yourself. Every person who's in the body of Christ, you are the church. Which means when you leave the building today, you don't leave the church. You are the church and you carry the church with you. Every single place that you go, you can be the church. So it's so important that we understand that is it just one out here all alone, isolated on an island. No, we're, we're together. We're God's family. Which means that we can go through the awesome times together and we can go through the hard times together. Anybody ever been through a hard time? Anybody been through a storm lately? You need the body of Christ. You need brothers and sisters who are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to lock arms with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you because that's what family, families do. Amen. Look what verse 22 says. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Isn't that wonderful to know that you're a part of a dwelling, a body of Christ, a building that God has assembled. God's putting the, the body of Christ together on His terms, in His way, by His Spirit. Amen. Well, let's, keep, let's keep talking here. So I want to talk to you today 
Um, last week we talked about the idea of knowing God. And the, the reference that we talked about is that, that because, because God is, he, he, he loves us so much that He proved His love for us on the cross, we can know Him. And it's not just this head knowledge here. Where is it at? It's actually a heart knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge of who God is. And it's only made possible because of what Christ did at the cross. That's where your knowing God starts. In relationship with God at the cross, the moment you say, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I know I need you. Come into my heart. Lead my life. In that moment, you start. At that moment, you're perfect. In the eyes of God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that you are clothed in the righteousness of God. And now you stand and you have, you're in right standing with God. You're justified as if you'd never sinned at all. Is that good news this morning? You are justified as if you'd never sinned at all. And so you can have a close, intimate relationship with God. You can truly know Him. Like John 17, 3 says that to know Him, that is eternal life. That's really what eternal life looks like. Knowing God. Not just about Him. Not just, you can, I mean, here's the reality. You can quote all the scriptures of the Bible and still not know Him. So we're talking about something that transforms the heart. A relationship that, that goes deep into our heart and transforms us. We've also discovered last week that our obedience to Christ, He, acts, he wants us to obey. But it's not out of obligation. It's not out of ritual. No, I get to obey God because I'm in relationship with Him. His love is what compels me to obedience. And when I do that, when I walk in that kind of obedience, when, in that kind of relationship with God, I can know that it's, it's not that I'm not walking through and going through the motions, but I can reflect the heart of God because of His love for me. The other thing we noticed is that, that He declared that we are loved by Him and we can love each other. Here's how he even described it in John 15. He said, I'm going to love you the way the Father loves me. You get that? That the love that Christ has for you is the same love the Father has for Him. Which means it's a, it's a love of sonship or being a daughter or a son of God. Anybody glad this morning that you're a daughter or a son of God? That you're in the family of God. And so that love for us, it's unconditional. I don't know about you. My kids... They're great kids, but they mess up from time to time. And just because they mess up doesn't mean I'm going to kick them to the curb. Anybody you feel that way about your kids? I mean, they could, they could blow it and you say, you know what? I'm disappointed in what you do. There are going to be consequences for what you do. But I'm, you're never going to stop being my kid. That's how God feels about you this morning. That's His love for you on display. That no matter what happens, no matter what you've done, He still loves you. These are some great truths because the reason they're great truths is because they transform our heart. They, they shift our focus away from just set, following a set of rules into a life-giving, fully alive relationship with God. And it's perfect. I love it. Here's the other thing. As we love others, we're really looking more like Christ than ever. As you love your neighbor or your friends or your family the way God loved you, then you're reflecting the image of Christ and that's really evidence that you're fully alive this morning. And so together, we can grow in this relationship with God. So I want to talk to you about today about finding freedom. So number one, freedom starts the moment we confess our Christ as Lord. 
That's just the beginning of the journey that we're on to be like Him. We've already said we can know God and then we can grow in God. So you understand that the moment you get saved, that's not it. That's actually just the beginning of where God wants to take you. He's got a plan for your life and salvation is the, is the starting point of that plan becoming a reality. And so what you and I need to do is not just say that prayer one time and think we're okay. No, we need to dive into a relationship with God where we grow. What do you think the outcome of growing is? The Bible says the outcome of growing is we're going to be Christ-like. I like the way Jesus put it in John 10.10. You guys have heard this before. How did Jesus say, what did Jesus say the outcome was going to be? Here's what it says. It says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Look what he says. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So if you dive into a relationship with Christ where you're growing, the outcome is going to be you're fully alive in Him. I want to be fully alive, don't you? So freedom comes when we understand that growing is a necessity of our relationship with, with God. 2 Peter 3.18 actually gives us, here's what we're supposed to do. What does it say? Rather you must, say it out loud, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all glory to Him both now and for... You notice I highlighted grow? Because in a relationship with God, that's the expectation. You're going to grow. You're not going to stay stagnant. You're not going to stay still because the moment you try to stay still is the moment you begin going backward. And so growing means a movement forward to be like Christ. To be fully alive in Him. And you notice it gives us the things we're supposed to grow in. What are they? Grace. Anybody glad for grace? The unmerited favor of God on our lives. We didn't deserve it, but we have it. Isn't that great this morning? The unmerited favor of God on your life because of what Christ did. And then the knowledge of God. Not, not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Now obviously, growing in God means that we dig into the, the spiritual disciplines. That we have to open up our, our Bible. We have to open up the Word of God so that we can know how God feels about us. We can know what His expectations are and we can live out His will according to His Word. So you have to. If you're going to grow, growing in God really means opening up the Scriptures. Taking in, meditating on the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, coming to church and hearing the Word of God preached, jumping into a small group so you can grow deeper. These are all ways in which you can grow in God. And so it's important that we make the spiritual disciplines a priority in our lives because it's the only way we can grow. But I understand too that the moment that you get saved, not everything in your heart, all the, not all the habits, not all the hang-ups, not all the, the choices that you've made up to this point, many times they're not all taken together, uh, taken care of all at once. Right? Anybody know that what, you know, the moment you're saved, not, God doesn't take everything away in that moment. Your position with God is perfect. But there are habits, there are thought processes, there are things that, that you have, you've allowed, you've done, that we've got to get rid of so that you can be Christ-like. So the process of growing involves finding freedom from the habits and the hang-ups that we've allowed ourselves into. It's a process. We call it sanctification, where it's a journey 
over and over again as you take in the word, as you think on the right things, as you surround yourself with the right people, then this change begins to take place and more and more and more you're conformed to the image of God. You're conformed to the image of Christ as you, as you actually allow yourself to be transformed through those processes. Now, I'm not saying it's always easy. There are moments when as you're digging into the Word of God, there might be a morning you wake up and you're like, I just don't really feel like opening my Scriptures today. But you know what? What do you do? You do it anyway. Why? Because you know that the outcome is going to be, I want to be fully alive in Christ. And so I'm going to open up the Word whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to meditate on the Word whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to memorize whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to tell somebody else about Christ whether I feel like it or not. So part of this is a discipline. And I know when we talk about discipline, that's not the funnest thing. But it's a reality of the Scriptures. It's a reality of Christian life. But the journey to be like Christ, we are on a journey to get free from the habits and hang-ups that keep us from being Christ-like. I believe, personally, that in the context, remember we talked about being together? I believe one of the ways that God set this up is that through your relationships with others, God can help you find freedom. The people that you surround yourself with can actually help you grow. And vice versa. If you get around the wrong people, it'll actually take you backwards. So you need to make, take an inventory and ask yourself the question, because really you're a product of the, I think they say of the, of the five people, the closest people to you. You're a product of those, kind of a combination of those five people. So if you're surrounding yourself with people who say, you know what, I love you, I'm going to hold you accountable, and we're going, to, we're going to pray for you, we're going to walk together in this life, and we're going to see each other's blind spots, we're not going to hammer each other, we're not going to judge each other, but we are going to say, you know what, that might not be the best course of action for you. Anybody have anybody like that in their lives? Anybody? I do. Accountability is so important. So in, this, in the context of being together in the church, we have an opportunity through relationship to see God move in our lives. And I, I, I firmly believe here are some key areas, some key relationships that you need to cultivate. Number one, you need to cultivate relationships with those people that are the most important to you. If you're married, you're, you're spouse. Right? You have children. Your parents and those who are your closest friends. These are the people that, that really, really you need to start surrounding yourself with and cultivate those relationships. As I said earlier, you know, my kids are, are kind of out of the house now, so it's an opportunity for me now to, to pour into my relationship with my wife, to spend time with her. Because why? Because God has put her in my life and, and she, I help her and she helps me. She keeps me straight more often than not. I'll tell you that right now. She is one of those who, that, you know, she's, she's a, almost a perfectionist. So I know that she's going to keep me walking the straight and narrow. Anybody got somebody like that? Any husband or spouse like that? What about your, your, your kids? God has, God has given you the privilege and the honor of raising kids, of pouring into them and developing them as men and women of God. You must, look at me, Look at your pastor this morning. I love you. You must see it this way, that they are an investment. God has given you a great treasure to invest in. 
and the moments, the times that you spend with them, sharing with them the Word of God, praying with them, being a model for them, those, that's what's going to get them through the hard times. That's what's going to help them grow. And so these relationships that you're cultivating are so important. The people that are closest to you. Your friends. I have some great friends. Anybody got great friends? Let me see. How many of you have, think you have great friends? I've got like five people that I call my closest friends. And I can tell them anything. You have somebody like that? You need somebody like that. You need somebody who knows your, the warts and all. Who can say to you, man, this, you know, I, I hear you, brother. I love you, man. You need to straighten up. Those are the kind of relationships that will help you grow to freedom. Number two, you need to mend some broken relationships. Restore. I'm sure with a crowd this size that there's been at least one person, maybe two, maybe all of you, at some point in time, there's a relationship that you once had that you don't have anymore because there was hurt. Maybe they talked about bad about you. Maybe they, they betrayed your trust. And that relationship no longer is, is even existing. Is it possible for God to restore that relationship? Is it possible for a relationship that you once had for God to say, you know what? I want to bring that person back into your life. I want to, I want to help. I want to get them back into your life so you can grow and you can find freedom. So what do you, what do, you do? Well, maybe it's in your power to reconcile. Maybe it's in your power to do one powerful word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Forgive. One of the most challenging things for us to do is to forgive, especially if we've been hurt deeply. But you know what God calls us to? He calls us to forgiveness. As a matter of fact, there's in a couple of places Jesus said, I'm going to give... I'm going to forgive you on the level that you've forgiven others. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? And, and the Apostle Paul, he gave us some, some uh, guidance here in Ephesians chapter 4. Look what he says. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Whenever you're hurt, it's so easy to hold on to bitterness, right? Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger. Harsh words and slander as well as types of evil behavior. Look at verse 32. Instead, here's what you're supposed to do. Replace it with kindness. Tenderheartedness. And what does he say? Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In other words, you really can't do it on your own. It has to be the power of Christ working in you, helping you, enabling you to be able to forgive somebody. And when you forgive them, and you, and you make a decision to reconcile, you've gained another friend. Isn't that great? Relationships are so important. And so let me challenge you. Be willing to forgive and reconcile as possible. Number, here's the next thing. Know when to walk away. Anybody ever been in a relationship you knew it was toxic? I've been, in, I've been in those. And it didn't, matter, it didn't matter how hard you tried. You tried to work on it. You tried to love them. You tried to have conversations. And it still didn't get any better. At some point, you need to have the, the courage to say, you know what? I love you, but this just isn't working out. And you need to walk away. 
Now listen, I'm not talking about, if you're married, you made a covenant before God. So I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. If you're married, work on it. Amen. Even if it's toxic, work on it. Because you made a covenant before God that you're going to go better or worse. You hear what I'm saying this morning. Now, I'm not talking about if you're being abused, that kind of thing. That's, I'm, you know, there, are, there are instances where you have to walk away because even if you fear for your life. But I'm talking if this person is just, they're, they're just mean, you've got to get God's help on the matter. Amen? Amen. And so there might be these relationships where God's saying to you, listen, they're pulling you down. They're dragging you down. You're not growing. You're not finding freedom. They're, they're actually dragging you the other way. You've got to know when to walk away. And that's tough. But you've got to know when to walk away because where are you headed? You're headed. Your goal, your aim is to be Christ-like. Your, your aim, your goal is to be fully alive in Christ. And you, you don't need anything hindering you from that reality. The next thing is, is risk being real. When you're in relationship with friends and your, your family, and even in the context of church, it's important for us to, to take the masks off. How many, how many of you are just sick and tired of just fake? Anybody sick and tired of fake? And it was that way in church for a long time, folks. Let's just be honest. We come in with our Sunday best on and, you know, people to ask us how we're doing. Oh, I'm fine. And on the inside, you're dying. God did not set the church up for us to, to come in and put on masks and be fake. What He did was, He set the church up as a place of healing, of transformation. And that's what the church needs to be. Now, I'm not saying that everywhere you go, you just spill out everything that's in your life to everybody. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying get around some trusted people that you can be open with and you can risk being real with because you need transformation in your own heart. And so, God's calling us to this. You realize that, that we said it earlier, the moment you confess Christ, your sins are forgiven. That part's taken care of. The blood of Christ is powerful enough to forgive your sins, past, present, and future. Can I get an amen? But then there's this, we can read it, 1 John 1, 9. Let's just read this together so you understand fully. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Anybody glad for that this morning? There's such freedom that comes with being able to confess your sins before God. Knowing that He knows you better than anybody else and He's willing to forgive. But then there's this journey that you're on with your friends and your family and those that are, that are in close relationship with you. And here's what James says to do in, in the context of these close relationships. What does he say? What's the first thing he says? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So what is God saying? Listen, in the context of a safe, trusting environment with people that you do trust, Let's confess, the, one, one translation says our faults. Let's be honest with each other about where we are. And you notice what the outcome is. What does it say? If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to open up, what does it say? You'll be, say it out loud, you'll be healed. 
Anybody want healing in here? So the reality is, if I'll, if I'll, ha I'll have the courage and gather myself around people that I trust, that I've built trust with, and I'm vulnerable, and I'm open, and I take the mask off, the outcome can be healing in, in, my, in my heart. What a great outcome. So it's important for you to, to open up and be honest and vulnerable around a group of trusted friends. And the, the way to do this is transparency. Again, we said before that we put on these fronts and these airs. Let's just be transparent, you know. If somebody asks you today, you're struggling, I'm struggling. Nothing wrong with it. You never know what God might do. You know, I'm struggling today and that person, you know what, let's stop right now and let's pray. And the Holy Spirit works in your heart and does a transformation in that moment. And it's a moment that you could maybe never have had had you not been willing to open up and say, you know what, I'm struggling today. It's okay to struggle, folks. Don't, do you understand that? It's okay to struggle. I do. Just being honest. So it's important that you do that. So let's, let's think about this, this transparency thing. The idea of being transparent and being fully alive and free, all, the, all those words that you want to use. The first thing you've got to do is face the truth. It's not always easy to face the truth about yourself, is it? But it's necessary if you want to get free. It's necessary if you want to have that kind of relationship with people where freedom comes. So you've got to face the truth. Number two, you need to tell the truth. And number three, this is the most powerful one, you need to accept God's truth. The Bible says that His Word is truth. His Word is truth. It also says that Christ is truth. So here's what John 8, 31 and 32 says. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You are truly My disciples if you remain faithful to My teachings. And look at what verse 32 says. Let's read it together. And you shall know what? The truth. And the truth will do what? What's the outcome? Know the truth. Accept the truth. God's truth. And what happens? The outcome is freedom. Christ came to set you free this morning. Hallelujah. Our aim and our goal is to be transparent enough to allow the truth of God to transform our hearts. Here's some reality about being vulnerable or being transparent. Number one, the reality is that there are things that, that you know that no one else knows. Right? It's knowledge that that nobody else knows but you, right? Then there's knowledge that all of us can see and we know. We, we look around, we know, we see things. And then number three, there's knowledge others know but we don't. Anybody, how many of you know you have blind spots? Oh, if you, if everybody's got to raise your hand. Everybody has blind spots. Areas that you don't see about yourself that other people, it's like, it's not just obvious, it's blaringly obvious. Uh, you know, your breath stinks. How you doing? Hey! And they're all like, you need, here, here, here. Those are the kind of things 
there are things in our lives that we don't see about ourselves that other people do. And when we're in close context and relationship with other people, we give people the liberty to, to say to us, listen, I see this. This is a blind spot for you. I'm not saying it to tear you down. I'm not saying it to make you feel bad. I want to help you. You follow me? And then there's knowledge that only God knows. So what's our pursuit? Our pursuit is, it's knowledge that I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. So the idea of growing to freedom comes with, that's why it's so important to continually open up the Scriptures. Because there's things that I just don't know. And the moment that I have in my mind that I've got it all together, that I've arrived, that I know it all, is the moment that I'm in some serious trouble, folks. So what I'm saying is, God is saying to you, open up my word, let me reveal my truth to you, let me transform you by my word, because we just, some things we just don't know. The last thing I want to mention to you before we close, you cannot underestimate the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's going to play a crucial role in your, you being transformed, in you finding freedom. We've already said that the Holy Spirit, last week we talked about it, He produces love and joy and peace in our lives. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the outcome? You see the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes in. So we've already seen this. But we also know that it's a great thing to understand that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That we can be filled with the Spirit. And that means that we have access to the wisdom of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Isn't that great? So you and I have this reality as we are filled with the Spirit. So I want to talk to you just, just a second about this spiritual journey that we're on. Number one, the moment you get saved, it's the Holy Spirit is the one who drew you to Christ. You realize that? That you are, the blinders come off, the, the, we call it the convicting power of the Spirit where we realize that we need Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the one who's doing that. And so the moment that we're aware and we say, you know what, I'm, I, I need Jesus. Lord, come into my heart. The Bible says that we are baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We call it salvation. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of that. You, you follow me? And then number two, we are water baptized. This is not salvation, folks. I need to make it clear. The only thing that will save you is the cleansing blood of Christ. Amen? By grace through faith. It doesn't say by grace through faith and baptism. But baptism is a very, very important step for you because here's what it is. What you're saying is when you get in that pool... I'm going public with my faith. I want everybody to know. I want to shout it from the rooftops. I am a follower of Jesus. That's what baptism is. That's why it's so important. Because what it represents is the old life that you were living is no longer the life you're living now. And you have been raised to a brand new life in Christ. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so water baptism is a next step for you after you follow Christ because it's that public declaration of what God's already done on the inside. Hallelujah. And then we believe in a third baptism, which we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is where after you've been saved and you've been baptized, there's a, there's a, there's a feeling. When you, when this word baptism really means that we're totally immersed in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. What's, what's the, the beauty of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? There's something that God wants you to do on the planet while you're here, and the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be a witness, to make a difference in your world. And so when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the power to be the witness and to be everything God's called you to be. This is good news. And so here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Do you want to be free this morning? Dive into the body of Christ. We have small groups here. We, have, we call them grow groups. Grow groups are that, that moment, that opportunity for you to have those close relationships. To be vulnerable with people that you built trust with. That's where life change happens. In our grow groups. And I want to I challenge you. If you're not a part of one, today's a great day. We have our fitness class that just started last week and our, our leaders are back there. Jump in and dive into the fitness class. Dive into, I, have a dual, I do a Wednesday night group. George, if you're in the eight, between the ages, what's the ages? 18 Whatever, if you're, yeah, if you're a young adult, that's a great place to go and to grow and to find freedom. We are very intentional here about helping you grow to freedom. And it's only together, remember the house that God's building, it's only together that this can happen. We love you. We want to see you grow. And together, I believe we can find freedom. I hope that's your heart this morning. I know it's the heart of God. I know He wants you transformed. I know He wants you full of the Holy Spirit. I know He wants you living out to the full. John 10.10 Being fully alive. Would you stand this morning? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.